it is now the first week of February. And being the first week of February, we know that those New Year's resolutions that we have made, about 90% of people who make resolutions make some in the area of fitness. That's exercise, eat right, you know, do those right kind of things. Unfortunately, by the time we get to about the two to three month range, we find that only 10% think that they can continue on that. And many have already given up. Well, when we think about resolutions, that's something that, that we kind of conjure and up for ourselves and, and think, how can, how can I be better or feel better or look better? That is different than a mission from the Lord. And over the last few weeks, we've been talking about our mission, our mission to love God, to love others, to share Jesus, to make disciples. So today we begin to put some application to that heartbeat of a mission statement as we begin to think about, is there one person that I know that I want to pray and encourage to draw closer to Jesus? Maybe someone who doesn't know the Lord. How can I get them to closer to Jesus? Maybe even to that point where they step over and say, Jesus, I want to follow you with my life. Who's your one? And what we find in Scripture is that Jesus often takes time for the one. Take your Bibles this morning and turn with me to Luke chapter 5. And we're going to pick up today in verse number 12. Luke chapter 5, verse number 12. As we think about Jesus touching and changing one. Jesus really does change everything. Luke chapter 5, verse number 12. While he was in one of the towns, a man was there who had leprosy all over him. He saw Jesus, fell face down and begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Reaching out his hand, Jesus touched him saying, I am willing, be made clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Then he ordered him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest and offer what Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. But the news about him spread even more, and large crowds would come together to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. Yet he, Jesus, often withdrew to deserted places and prayed. With that, let us pray together. Lord, thank you for uh, your word. And God, I pray that uh, maybe today there's one life that just needs to be changed. Maybe today you lay on our heart one life that needs to be changed. Speak to us today, Lord. Speak to us today. May we be good listeners in your name. Amen. Jesus really does change everything. 
To have leprosy in Bible times was not just a physical ailment, but leprosy throughout Scripture is also a picture of a spiritual issue and pictured as a sin issue. Matter of fact, when the Old Testament, one of the kings decided he was going to go into the temple to make his own sacrifice, it tells us that the Lord struck him with leprosy. But to be a leper in Bible times was very hard and very challenging. You could not be within six feet of another person. You could uh, not enter into the the, uh, large gatherings of the city. You, whenever anyone was close or approached, you had to cry out, unclean, unclean. It was a disease that brought separation, mental and emotional anguish, and physical separation from people. But we find that Jesus took the time for this one man who had leprosy and changed his life completely. And it doesn't really matter what you're going through today, when you... Factor Jesus in on the equation of whatever you're facing today. Jesus truly can change everything. So today what I want us to do is I want us to kind of look at this from three different perspectives today. First off, I want us to, to learn some lessons from the man who had leprosy. I want us to think about learning some lessons from Jesus and about Jesus. And then some lessons for us as as we move through this passage together. So first, we we see that there are some lessons to learn. And I just said from this hurting man, because some of you obviously are hurting today, but none of us have leprosy. Matter of fact, as we think about leprosy itself, though it is still around, there are about, they estimate about 200,000 people who have leprosy. It is not common, especially here in the United States. But there's a lesson to learn from this hurting man. And the, the first lesson is, is that, that Jesus brings hope. Jesus brings hope. No matter where you are in life, Jesus brings hope. Jesus can change everything. And it's interesting that this man, it says that uh, he saw Jesus. When those three words are factored into our life, when those three words are factored into our situation and our circumstances... I saw Jesus. I, I heard from the, 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 the word of the Lord. When I see Jesus, everything can change. And aren't you thankful today that Jesus does and has and continues to change the difficult and challenging areas of our life? But Jesus brings hope to physical separation and to mental and emotional anguish. Jesus ultimately offers hope. Now, He just saw Jesus. And you can already sense in this man that there is hope in my life now because Jesus is on the scene. And for those of us today who know Jesus as Savior, we not only have the opportunity to to see Jesus in his word and to think about how Jesus has done great miracles, but we can experience him personally right in our life because the Lord has said he'll never leave us nor forsake us. So we can experience the truth of who Jesus is in our life right now. Jesus really does bring hope, but Jesus can also bring healing. 
Jesus not only brought hope, but Jesus can also bring healing. As this man comes and he saw Jesus, then the picture is, is that he falls before Jesus and says, Lord, if you are willing, if you are willing, he didn't say, Lord, if you are able. He said, Lord, if you are willing. As we think about life and challenges that we go through in life, we know the Lord is always able. But there are times that we may not understand that the Lord works in circumstances and in ways that are different than our ways. But this man falls before the Lord with a sense of surrender and faith. Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. I told you that there's not very many people in our world today that have leprosy, only about 200 thousand or so of the billions of people that are in the world. Interesting enough, there are some cases that happen in the United States from time to time. Leprosy, they say, is not really that easily uh, caught, and, and it can be contagious, but it's not easily caught. But one of the interesting things I found about leprosy is, you know, you can get it from an armadillo. You can. I think they call those armadillos Texas speed bumps, all right? Uh, and armadillos have made their way up to Missouri now, so just so you know, don't play with armadillos, okay? They're not good to catch and they're not good to eat. Now, I read stories where people were eating armadillos in the past. I think that sounds absolutely disgusting. So, but, Lord, I'm stuck with this disease, And Luke makes sure that we know, Luke is a a doctor, that he had leprosy all over him. Not only were there the the, uh, spots on his skin that were obvious, but probably at this point, maybe fingers or toes had fallen off, maybe ears or parts of the nose. What we find is this man is in a difficult, impossible situation. But he has faith and surrender. Jesus, I trust that you, if you are willing. You know, many people want to say, God, if you do this, then I'll do that. But this man came with faith and surrendered and said, Lord, your will, Lord, your desire, if you are willing. Does your commitment of faith and surrender to the Lord depend upon the Lord always providing in the way that you want? This man came and said, Lord, if you are willing. So we learn Jesus can bring healing and always brings hope. But then we learn some lessons from Jesus as we look at this. Notice how Jesus responds to this man in Luke chapter 5. It says this, reaching out his hand, Jesus touched him saying, I am willing, be made clean. Well, as we think about Jesus' heart for this man, in Mark chapter 1, it tells us that when he saw this man, he was moved 
with compassion. Over the last couple of weeks, we've talked a little bit about compassion. The, the Greek word splunkna, which means from the, the bowels or the intestines. It's a gut-wrenching compassion that feels the hurt of someone else. And it shows us here in Mark 141, as we look again at the parallel passage, that Jesus loves the unlovable. Jesus loves the unlovable. Jesus looked at this man and had compassion on him. Oh, how Jesus sees things differently than we often do. Jesus would look at this man who was shunned and separated by and from everyone. Jesus would look at this man who would not even be able to be part of a, of a family that could love and be close to him. And Jesus would be moved with compassion. That word and thought of compassion. Jesus loves the unlovable. But it tells us, that Jesus reached out his hand and he touched him. Jesus loves the unlovable, but Jesus touches the untouchable. I wonder, when was the last time this man felt the hand or a hug from another person? When was the last time this guy had a sense of physical contact or a sense of of a pat on the back? When was the last time reaching out his hand, he touched him? Jesus Jesus could have healed this guy without touching him. We, We know that Jesus did miracles without touching people. Remember the centurion servant? Lord, you don't even need to come to my house. Just say the word and, and, and there will be healing. Lord, you don't even need to come. You can do this long distance. But here Jesus reaches out and not only shows love, but touches him. Now it's one thing to love from a distance. Do you have people in your life that you find it easier to love from a distance? I'm sure some of you do. I might be one of those people. There's some people that, man, I, I you can love them, but you just like to keep a little distance here. And now Jesus not only is moved with compassion, as Mark tells us, but he reaches out and touches this man. Notice that, that picture. Verse number 13. Reaching out his hand. Jesus touched him. Those three word phrases to me just kind of stand out. The leper, he saw Jesus. Jesus, he touched him. He touched him. Virginia Satter is a family therapist, and she wanna, uh, wrote, and this has been quoted many times. As a matter of fact, my youngest son, Josh, came home from college and, and shared this statement that I don't know where he picked it up. But uh, we need, she says in her writing, four hugs a day for survival. 
four hugs a day for survival. We need eight hugs a day for maintenance. And we need 12 hugs a day for growth. Four, eight, 12. And I don't know about you, I didn't grow up in a very touchy family, all right? Now, things and circumstances that come into your life over periods of time begin to change how you react, even with your family members. For us, we weren't huggers, we weren't really touchers. And then, uh, when my brother Lee got sick and, and died, then we found hugging became part of every time we were together. It just changed us. It, it changed our life. And here, not that all of this, you know, therapy is, is, is there, but I think what, what it does show us is that there is a need in each of our lives for physical touch. And Jesus didn't just stand back and say, hey, be made clean. Jesus went out and touched him. The one who was defiled and stricken with leprosy, and again, that picture of sinfulness in some way throughout Scripture, Jesus would touch and make him clean and at the same time never be defiled himself. And that's the story of our life as well. And Jesus then not only loves the unlovable and touches the untouchable, but Jesus does the impossible. He makes him well. It's very interesting in Scripture then because Jesus tells him to not say this to anybody, but to go and show yourself to the priests. Now, what is interesting, in, in if you are an Old Testament, uh, you know, uh, love to read the Old Testament... In Leviticus 13 and 14, there are two very long chapters that deal all with leprosy. And chapter 13 primarily deals with the priests and the recognition of leprosy. And in in Leviticus chapter 14, it mainly deals with what to do when someone is healed from leprosy and how that is to happen. But the interesting part of this all is that We only know of two people in the Old Testament who had leprosy and were healed. And one was before Leviticus. That was Miriam, Moses' sister, who was stricken with leprosy. The other one was a Gentile named Naaman. So there's two chapters in all in, in Leviticus that show what is supposed to happen when someone is healed from recognizing and then what someone is supposed to do in response to the healing of leprosy. And yet, one is before the law and the other is a Gentile who's not under the law. Could it be that Jesus saved that for right here? Arnold Fruchtenbaum is an Old Testament scholar, and he said that this is one of the messianic miracles that truly show that Jesus is the Messiah. No one else could do this. None of the other healers, even throughout the New Testament, did this. This was Jesus alone. And so we find that in this miracle, Jesus does what is utterly impossible. In 1963, an evangelist was traveling with a guy named Bill Gaither, 
who was a young music writer at the time. And he began to, this evangelist began to talk to Bill Gaither about the importance of the touch of Jesus. And with that, he took those words and to heart and scrolled out the words shackled by a heavy burden neath a load of guilt and shame. Then the hand of Jesus touched me. And now I am no longer the same. He touched me. This guy has the testimony. He touched me. He touched me. And oh, the joy that floods my soul. And this guy was told, hey, don't say anything. Go to the priest. Make sure the priests understand and know this first. And he goes out. Oh, the joy that floods my soul. Just couldn't, he just couldn't keep it quiet. But Jesus first said, look, we need to fulfill the Old Testament. And I want you to go back and before anything else, go show the priest. And he's like, oh, the joy that floods my soul. Something happened. And now I know. And I want everyone else to know. He touched me and made me whole. There's lessons about Jesus. Then there's thirdly lessons for us. Lessons for us. And as we think about lessons for us and we think about where we are today, I just want to kind of throw three thoughts out. First off, share Jesus. I mean, really, when it comes down to it, we need to be people who who share Jesus. It doesn't tell us in this passage how this guy knew about Jesus. But obviously, he knew about Jesus. Who told him? Who shared this? I mean, who was the one? Did, did he hear it from, from a friend who had to sit six, seven feet away and say, look, this Jesus, as he is traveling the area of Galilee, man, lives are being changed. People are, are being healed. Who was it? Maybe it was a parent whose heart has been broken for years as there's been this wall of separation, that six-foot wall that would not even allow them to come close to their own son. And they said, look, we've heard and we know about Jesus. I want to challenge you to share Jesus. And with that challenge, I want to show a short video this morning. And this video is about a miracle that didn't happen, but that Jesus was shared anyway. Well, we named him Malachi after the prophet Malachi in the Old Testament. Um, and his name means my messenger. He never met a stranger who's so inquisitive, would talk to anybody, and... That was him from day one. I mean, that, that's never changed. Even until he took his last breath, he was always that way. He, Malachi loved sports, and he loved soccer. And at night, he started to complain that, he's like, Dad, my leg hurts. So I went to a friend who, you know, has a clinic here and they got finished and the doctor came to the door and he just, you know, he knocked and it's that moment you don't want as a parent where he's like, hey, I need you to come talk to me. So I went down to the office and sat down and he 
he just looked at me and he said, there's two to three small masses in the base of his spine. We need you to uh, take him to Atlanta today. But that Saturday morning, they they had about, it was about two and a half, almost three hour surgery. And he just said, like, the likelihood of this being cancer is pretty high. So. That was a very hard moment. I mean, not to just say it as it is, but the average lifespan was 17 months. He was in the hospital for 45 days. And he just immediately, when you go back and you start looking at kind of some of the stuff that he wrote down, Malachi could have just said, like, I'm done. February 2nd, 2019. I said, just let me die. That's what I said. There's no point in laying in a bed doing nothing. My dad said, I'm alive probably today still because I have a story even at age 12. I have a testimony. As parents, you can encourage your kids to do something. But in that situation, he had to make a decision. And he chose how he was going to walk it out. The Lord has given me so many chances to share the gospel, and I'm going to take every chance I can. The world needs Jesus. I want to step my game up because this thing, cancer, it can kill me. So I need to tell as many people as I can. Every day, Monday through Friday, when we would go for radiation, he would have to be transported in an ambulance. And so every day we had two new people that we spent about four hours with. And Malachi shared the gospel every day to those new people. I mean, he would lay in the back of that, on that stretcher in that ambulance. So where are you from and what do you do? But Malachi was just so bold, and I think that was kind of one of the gifts of cancer, was that it really brought an awareness of life and death. I mean, you get a cancer diagnosis, and it's, what do you have to lose? I mean, you know, like, really, what I mean, what do you have to lose? The body of believers at our church is amazing. We rolled out the Who's Your One initiative, and that was one of the things that fueled that list. He just literally went through the list of people that he knew that needed Jesus, and I'm just going to write them down. I'm going to fight for them. And gosh, for him, he it just took it seriously because he, he saw the finish line in front of him. The end of August, we went uh, for a scan, and it had spread to his brain. And so our prayers shifted from, Lord, sustain him, you know, to cheering him on to the finish line. And so when he, when he took his last breath, I just remember thinking, like right now, he's with Christ. Yeah, we, we hung on to that passage of in the garden where he's like take this cup please take this cup um, but if it's your will and so we just we just drank of whatever the Lord gave us and trusted that the end would be for his glory Malachi's testimony is a testimony of when God chose not to heal. 
But even through that, the heart of faith that said, I'm going to share Jesus anyway. Not only do we share Jesus, but then we trust Jesus to change lives. We trust Jesus to change lives. Jesus is the one who has to work. He's the one who saves. And then, notice this last verse that we read in this passage. I I found it interesting. And we're going to pick up in verse number 17 next week. But notice verse number 16. Yet he often withdrew to deserted places and prayed. Right here between the, the working of two miracles. He changes and heals a leper. And now, as we look next week about the man who is dropped down on the mat and Jesus heals him right between those two miracles. It tells us that Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness to pray. And so as we begin this thought of who am I going to to try to share Jesus with? Who am I going to try to be a witness to? I think that Jesus shows us that prayer is central to all of this. And maybe for some, it's time to withdraw. It's time to turn off the phone and the computer and just say, for the next two hours or for one evening, we're going to put it all away. And we're going to be quiet and still. We're going to withdraw before the Lord and with and, and withdraw from all of the devices and distractions around us. Maybe that means the Lord wakes you up in the middle of the night and you think, hey, he's woke me up in the middle of the night and now this is a great time. Kids are sleeping, there's nothing going on, and this is quiet in my house. Maybe it's a time like that. But what we find is that Jesus, as he is working miracles, has to pray or needs to pray or or goes to the Father in prayer. Maybe there's a lesson for us. Share Jesus, trust Jesus, change lives, and pray. You know, at one time, all of us who are believers were in this same condition of this man who had leprosy. We, we may not have had leprosy, but again, this was a picture of sin at times too. And there was a time when all of us in our lives were separated from God because of sin. But we recognize that Jesus was willing, Jesus was willing to go to the cross. Jesus was willing to pay the penalty for our sin as he died on the cross and he rose again from the dead. And now he provides the only way of salvation. So the challenge may be right internal in my heart and life right now that I need to to reevaluate where I am with the Lord to make sure that I have been forgiven, to make sure that I have been cleansed on the inside. To know my sin has been transferred from my life to the cross and that Jesus truly paid the penalty for me. If you've never trusted Jesus and what he's done on the cross, if you've never called out to him, Romans 10, 13 tells us whoever calls on the name of the Lord 
shall be saved. We call on him and say, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. Lord, I believe you died on the cross to pay the penalty for my sin and rose again. And Jesus, I trust that you rose from the dead and are the only way of salvation. If you have never come to that place of surrender and faith and trust in Jesus alone, that is life's most important decision. And in just a few moments, we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper together. And this is a time when we celebrate what Jesus has done. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, as Paul uh, sharing with the church at Corinth about the Lord's Supper, he reminds us that we do this in remembrance of him. That taking the Lord's Supper is not part of our salvation, but it is something we do and we remember and look back at how we take that bread and how his body was beaten and bruised for us. And we take that cup and it pictures the blood of Jesus that was shed for us. And so the challenge is twofold as we step into our time of reflection and invitation today. Do I know that I know Jesus? Do I know that I know him? Paul would also warn us, and he would say, look, if you take of the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner, that means that if there's, I believe, if if you're talking one way and saying you know Jesus and you're not living for Jesus, man, you need to come to confession and repentance today. You can do that at your seat during this time. Maybe you need to come to this altar, (laughs) these steps as an altar this morning and Come before the Lord and pray. That's one, am I right with the Lord? Do I know that I'm saved? Am I walking with him? And that other is, as I celebrate the Lord's Supper today, wouldn't it be wonderful? Wouldn't it be awesome to know that maybe here in our church, maybe in my family, someone the Lord has laid on my heart, there's there's the, the, the truth and the opportunity Could they be sharing this with me as I've prayed for them and Jesus changes their life? With that, we're going to take a moment and pray. And I want to ask you, do you know that you know Jesus? Have you trusted Jesus in your life? That's question number one. And then second, has the Lord laid someone on your heart? Who's your one? Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for our time to open your word today. Lord, challenge us to be people who are walking with you. Lord, I pray for every person who knows you as Savior, has received you in their life. Lord, may our our walk with you uh, be strong. May people see Jesus in us. And then, Lord, I pray for all of us that we would just think of a person out there Someone needs Jesus. May we have the boldness, even of this Malachi that we watched. God, give us fresh boldness in Jesus' name. Amen.